Today on Karina and Kirsten Get to Work, we're talking about urgency. Come on, let's go. Giddy up. We got shit to do. Let's make it happen. (laughs) (laughs) I'm stressed out already. Welcome to Karina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Kirsten Barron. And I'm Karina Hoyer. We are so glad that you have joined us today to talk about giddy up, urgency, and importance. And as you know, we're here to talk about ease, meaning, and joy at work. And this topic, urgency and importance, I find, at least in my life, are some of the things that really get in the way of ease, meaning, and joy at work. So Karina and I are going to figure this all out in the next 30 minutes. We're digging in. We're digging down. We got to get going. We got to giddy up, as my friend Carl says. (laughs) Speaking of getting going, you just asked me a question right before that I just love. It was random. Which is about hummingbirds. It was. This is your first year feeding the hummingbirds. It's my first year, and I'm very nervous about it. Yeah, it's a big responsibility. It's a big responsibility, and they are crazy. I mean, I see it's a big responsibility because you got to feed them the right thing, and you have to make sure it's clean, and you want to be treating them right. But it's you. I also feel like I have to like mediate some kind it's, of it's ongoing argument at the feeder. I have this thing where I think I look at birds and I think about humans. Like every, I'm sure I've said something here before, but I think stellar jays <laughs> are like, you know adolescents oh they are they're loud they don't really aware of everybody else around them they're just doing their own crazy they're thing they're f- super flashy <laughs> just like adolescents and i'm thinking that when i watch the hummingbirds i they remind me of six-year-old boys just like a pack of six-year-olds constantly like messing with shit on moving can't sit still and those are gross generalizations of course because one of my nieces i think is a hummingbird too but um yeah it's super fun i feel responsible I just can't stop laughing because it's true. It and is true. These in the Pacific Northwest, when you feed hummingbirds, like it's a you are signing up for filling mm-hmm. that thing, like every other day. I'm having to take my truck to, to the, the Costco to the Costco to fill up the bed with sugar just so I can <laughs> keep up. They drink so much. There's a lot of responsibility there. Yeah, I know. Okay, so the hummingbirds are bringing us great joy. They maybe are. not a lot of ease, but some joy. Definitely joy. Yeah, and some meaning. And some joy. And some joy. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> so uh, I'm. I, it's so funny because this topic of urgency too, like I live in this urgent, like even just now we're talking about hummingbirds and I'm like, we got to get we going. We got to go on the thing. You need to stop talking. Hey, but before we start on urgency and importance, this weekend is Juneteenth. Yes. In some places, it's actually a holiday where you get off work, which I think is great commemorates when the Union General finally got to Texas two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation when slaves were actually freed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 30 months later, the slaves in Texas find out, oh, yeah, we're free. Right. So it, it, it commemorates the day where this announcement was made in the final state. This time for me is pretty meaningful because I can remember when I was a kid learning about the Holocaust and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know how I would feel to be a German if I knew that that happened. What do they do? How do they deal with that? I remember really thinking about the like the perpetrating culture, Mm -hmm. right? And I think I did not even have the same realization until probably my 20s or 30s. Like slavery is our Holocaust. What is our response? How do we deal with it? And I just think taking time 
whether it's Juneteenth or frankly all the time, to figure that out is so important. I don't think we're going to get easement and joy as a country until we figure it out. No, and I think it's really interesting, you know, to be able to say, to be to have that vulnerability and saying like, this didn't even strike me till mm-hmm. I was well into adulthood mm-hmm. that we have witnessed our own atrocity or atrocities. Our own atrocities, yes. And as a country and as individuals, we have a responsibility to take a look at those things and address them and approach mm-hmm. them. And Juneteenth is a perfect opportunity to have it brought top of mind. George Floyd anniversary mm-hmm. just recently happened. Mm-hmm. That's another opportunity. But also, I know this about you. You take every day as an opportunity. So I appreciate that you were sharing this on the air. Because this is, it's 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 big work. It's heavy work. It's big, heavy work. Big, important, heavy work. But I also just want to call out every Juneteenth celebration I've ever been to has been full of joy, has been full of meaning, and has been full of ease. Like, it is a place to acknowledge. And there's joy. Yeah. So... I just encourage folks, get out there and find yourself a Juneteenth celebration, because in my experience, they're just loads of fun and great experiences. That's awesome. And yep. and I and in your town, it may be called Freedom Day, Jubilee Day, Liberation Day, or Emancipation Day, but it's yeah. all June 19th. Yeah, there's some goodness out there for you folks on June 19th. Yeah. Yeah. All, in all sorts of ways. Yeah. So get on. Come on. There's some urgency around. <laughs> Let's go. Let's make it happen. <laughs> hey this show thank you so much for doing this show by the way i love the notion of are you ready to move on i'm totally ready mama but i'm laughing because you're like <laughs> i love this thanks for doing this show and i'm like i think you did this show for me krina it's like <laughs> this is a gift to me as my friend you're like we're gonna do a show for kirsten <laughs> okay we're gonna do a time management and then the next one we're gonna talk about urgency and then the next one no um no i did it for myself too and in fact as a leader for a very long time i used to feel like this ongoing sense of urgency mm-hmm. that others were, were put, you know kind of put upon me I'm well that sure. isn't that kind of what urgency is yeah it's like you gotta do this gotta do this now gotta do this now and i remember like distinctly drawing on the board the two circles of the venn diagram saying come to me one like one circle was urgent Mm -hmm. and the other circle is important and where they overlap that's where i want you to knock on my door otherwise don't knock on my door leave me alone yeah uh no but this is a very personal subject for me too because and i think for a lot of our listeners but you say you you, it's about you because everything is of course absolutely but what do you feel like talk to me about how urgency plays a role in your life i Respond to clients with important issues all day long. Important or urgent? Well, yes. Uh huh. So people that come to me come to me with something they think is important, and they usually think it's urgent. They usually have some concern or discomfort they want to alleviate. Mm-hmm. So I feel like almost every interaction I have has some level of urgency around it if I allow it to. And I often do, frankly. Mm -hmm. And when you're in a customer service profession like I am, you want to be responsive. Right. Which creates urgency. Right. I just got urgency in spades, frankly. Yeah. And it's interesting because I asked for that distinction between urgent and important, obviously, because I just mentioned it earlier. but, But in addition, because urgency, I think, is defined by time delineated this is something that really does need to happen in a short period Mm -hmm. of time Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean it's the most important 
urgent just really means now, now or pretty darn soon. There's a time limit to when you can achieve that. Mm -hmm. Right. So I can see how that plays a role in your, and I think, you know, a lot of us, whether or not you're in a customer service job, whether or not you work in an office, you're a nurse, you're a teacher, there's a lot of human, whether you have an anxious boss. Yeah. Or whether you're even working from home and I'm behind a computer, other humans believe that there are things that you should do yep and you also create a lot of those for yourselves Mm -hmm. what was interesting in doing research for the show is that 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 what happens to your brain when you're operating yeah when you're operating in that urgent mindset when everything feels like it has to happen now or very soon Mm -hmm. and in fact there's probably not even enough time in the day to get to it all we use the we use all these words around that right crazy busy yeah yeah i can't keep up yeah, I'm drowning. I'm drowning. Can't keep my head above right, water. Right, I can't keep it above water. I need to find. I need to take a breath. Yes. Yeah. And all of those things do to your brain and your body the same things that stress do. Right? They 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 and get. Don't our, you think it really is a form of stress? It is a form of yes. stress. But just to remind our listeners, right? So what happens when you're under this? kind of pressure mm-hmm. when you're operating in this crazy busy pressure cooker your stress hormones do rise your executive function declines right which is like the executive function is the big picture thinking you actually your memory your judgment and your impulse control yeah deteriorate yeah. and the centers in your brain that are responsible for anger and anxiety are activated sounds like a recipe for success <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's when you say that, I can think of so many days where I was so crazy busy that I didn't stop for breakfast or I didn't stop for lunch. And then I ended up meeting a bag of potato chips at four o'clock in the afternoon and a couple of gin and tonics. Right. Sure. Maybe they were a little bit later, not quite at four, but certainly a potato <laughs> chip started at four. And it was like completely an opposite of the plan I had for my day because I had lost my impulse control. Yep. I'd lost my ability to make good decisions. Mm-hmm. And I ended up, you know, and I'm sure people, maybe it's a bag of cookies. Maybe it's a bag of potato chips. Who maybe knows? it's reacting with anger. Yeah. Maybe it's, so there are a lot of impacts and we want to talk a little bit more about some of those impacts because not only do they impact you personally, they have an impact on those around you and frankly on your work Mm -hmm. as well. I think we have. And I just want to call that out actually, the impact around you. Like I'm a lawyer and I think it's a great job and I really love what I do. And my kids are like, uh, no, we don't want to be lawyers. It's way too stressful. Isn't that interesting? Well, I think that I just spread all of that, you know, crap around the house of my anxiety <laughs> and urgency, right? They're like the worst. Stay away from that, mom. So when you say it affects people around you, I think that's absolutely right. Right. And this is when urgency is created for you or when you create it for yourself. Basically, mm-hmm. when you're operating in these conditions, it's no bueno. Yes. For your brain. It is not. It is not. Here's the other thing, though. You, 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 we think that um, when we're crazy busy, when every, when we're, you know, like moving fast. Out of control. And, and just like taking, just checking stuff off the list and we're, you know, doing it fast. We think that we're also being successful. And efficient. And efficient and, and productive. Creative, and that's good oh, stuff. Oh, juju is right? coming in my brain even as you're talking about it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. When, in fact, again, <laughs> I'm going back to science here. It's just shooting me up with crack, really. You can, exactly. But you, what happens is your ability to problem solve is mm-hmm. actually eliminate you know mm-hmm. nearly impossible and then we start to re- uh, resort to sort of rushed bad decisions that impact our team blah blah, blah. i mean the, the chips and 
gin and tonics might be the the least of it. It's interesting though. You know, I find that there's a fine line between flow and fucked up. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Right? Like sometimes I'm in the flow and I'm grooving. I feel good. I'm just making it happen. But there's this fine line to fucked up. Well, and I'm wondering if the fine line, the thing that puts you over that is urgency. Oh, no question. I've can... lost my ability mm-hmm. to manage urgency. Right. Yeah, for because sure. Because you go from flow and productive and I'm working fast and I'm working hard, but I'm doing it mm-hmm. to uh, white knuckle yes. rot. Yes. And not only does it impact you and others around you, it also can impact your workplace culture. And, um, you know, we've all seen friends who are working in these pressure cookers or some of us have done it ourselves. And we know that long term, this kind of urgency constant, you know, under the gun leads to high burnout and high turnover. Mm-hmm. And so it's really, loss of creativity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really just you, you lose your ability to innovate in the workplace, to yeah. create new ideas, ways of doing things. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, interesting, though, when we were looking, um, doing the the research for this episode, I started Googling urgency Mm -hmm. at work. And I'm going to I had to get really creative about my searches because almost every single article that came up was how to create Create urgency urgency in the 10 tips to create urgency in your workforce. Absolutely. I noticed the same thing, which I was like, this is why this is a problem. This is so bizarre. It's like on one hand, science is telling us you guys need to back the hell off of urgency and best practices around management are like, let's go people. Put push, push, push. Uh I think I, and I know I was guilty of that in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. when I was managing. Oh, I certainly am. What I didn't realize though, is that it's also not only does it sort of alienate others or, you know, impact our, our own experiences and impact culture, it's, even more impactful to our colleagues and coworkers of color. Yeah. This culture around urgency. urgency. Mm -hmm. It really is this, I, this urgency idea, this phenomena for lack of a better word is a really white thing. Mm -hmm. And it's how we can, we continue to control and keep power in the workforce because if there's urgency, nobody stops to take time for decisions to get other input, to um, consider other approaches. And so we end up just stuck in our little rut and we don't bring in that diversity from the workplace. Yeah. And it, 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 could, it can actually be used as an intentional tool to sort of, yeah, we, as we have seen. And you seen, know, I'm, our friends out there cannot see me kind of rolling my eyes, but whether it's intentional or unintentional, it's like there's still that control right even when you don't intend to do it you're still doing it yeah yes Mm -hmm. and so how do we how do we stop how do we stop i mean that is really the the crux of it and i think part of the way that we start to address this issue is certainly by being aware Mm -hmm. you know and convincing ourselves maybe we're just talking ourselves right now that this i was just gonna say it's always good for us to be aware (laughs) this hamster wheel like recognizing the impact of this hamster wheel that we find ourselves on a lot And also to start to see how it's being used Mm -hmm. and how in some ways we're being manipulated by urgency. And what our brains do on urgency. I mean, we talked about in the very beginning, we talked about some of the impacts on your brain of urgency. 
And I know this from my own experience. Like I know what it feels like to get an email and to want to respond. Mm-hmm. Right. I can feel that. I mean, oh, I'm going to respond right away. Oh, I've got respond. one. You know, I've got one right. in my inbox that you told me I can't hit. I cannot respond she cannot to respond until noon. Till noon. I'm like, no, you can't respond till noon. It, we, <laughs> but there is this is the real scientific fact that we have like an urgency bias in our brains. Uh-huh. We will give up a long-term benefit for a short-term reward, right? Yes, which is really weird to me evolutionarily. Yes, that ur- urgence that we're wired in so many ways mm-hmm. to address the thing that's immediately in front of us rather than the long term and sacrifice potentially long-term gain. But at the same time, doing that over and over and over and over, if being in a constant state of that. Mm-hmm has tremendous health impacts. It's just, I just found that, fa- find that fascinating. I just need to call it out. But what's interesting too is this, these experiments that were conducted to really test whether or not we are hardwired for urgency mm-hmm. to address us. And there's even some recent work that has been done on this in the last couple of years. Of course, it's done in the Journal of Consumer Research because they're going to use our urgency bias brains against us to make us buy stuff. One of the things that I found interesting in this article was that people want the certainty of the short term gain because they know they can get it, you know, immediately after as opposed to waiting for the longer term reward. So I do think it's about our reward center in a fundamental way. Um, I don't know if that article says it that clearly, but that was my takeaway. Our brain is programmed for the short-term rewards because we get more rewards, bing, 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 in our brains. Yeah, but what's weird is that we're, we're wired for the short-term gain, but the gain itself is checking the thing off the list. Yeah. Because if you do, because mm-hmm. the studies <laughs> gave people less reward. Krita, what's wrong with checking stuff off the list? <laughs> Why are you disparaging that? But so... <laughs> Oh my God, you know I'm not. I love to check things off In the fact, list. In fact, sometimes I write things on so a list. So you can check them off. So that I can check. Yeah, I so you can cross them out. Preach it's, it. This is why we're friends. It is so satisfying. And that and our love friends. of cheese we've discovered. Okay, so, so, so advertisers have figured this out. Obviously, uh, they're using it to manipulate us every mm-hmm. single day. And they use urgency to force you into action. I think that's why, you know, obviously we're seeing all these articles um, at um, about urgency at work is because they're at a to a point. It is a motivational. Oh, absolutely. To a point. Right. To a point. Advertisers. You've seen it, right? Like limited time, limited sale. Only three during the election. During the elections. I don't know how many emails I got that said six days or we have to have this in 24 hours or whatever's going to happen. Yeah. No, that's that psychology is all over the place. Yeah. And humans are more likely to act up to a point when there is this element of urgency mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the study though called it the mere urgency the effect. effect i loved that i did too because what what they what they did they dug really deep and just tried to isolate and eliminate all of the other variables except for urgency urgency uh-huh. that was the only thing that some and it would tip the scale on what people paid attention to um and what they focused on and what they accomplished Um, this helped me understand how my brain is working. So now if I can just stop long enough 
to remember how my brain is working when those emails are coming in or those phone calls are coming in, right? That gives me a chance at figuring it out. So you're saying when you start to feel like everything is coming at you, Mm -hmm. everything Mm -hmm. is urgent, everything Mm -hmm. has to happen now, Mm -hmm. recognizing, ah, oh, let's look at my brain. Bless, bless her heart. (laughs) I love that brain. She's so great in there. But she is going to screw me if I don't take a minute and take a breath. (laughs) That's right. And she's going to make me pay attention to these short term things instead of the long term Mm -hmm. ones, potentially. And also, she might cause you to have um, lose your impulse control, as we've already discussed. Which is a common occurrence. (laughs) And so back to the sort of how do we do this? And so what do we do about it? How do we start to eliminate the constant ongoing pressures uh, or urgency pressures, time delineated pressures so that we can make better choices and so that we can feel more successful. Yes, how do we do that, friend? Well, uh, we've got all kinds of suggestions, but I am going to say right off the bat, I've been thinking a lot about this and I feel like the ways that your options in front of you are either, and I know I've mentioned this to you before, Kirsten, you're giving me that funny look. I feel like the options in front of you are either to control for urgency in advance, mm-hmm. right? And there's a lot of different things we can mm-hmm. do to like recognize this is the op- this is the climate that I'm operating in. And so I have to limit how many meetings I say yes to, or I have to limit how many clients I have, or I have to limit how many things that I agree to do mm-hmm. on a given d- mm-hmm. day. And be proactive about that. And, or, you manage it in the moment. See, I think it's an and. I think it's yes to both of those. And that first thing, that planning piece, yeah, you know, that is something that you obviously have to even have space to do. Yeah. But my, my vulnerability around that is optimism. Like, I think that things are going to take five minutes, right? And they take an hour and a half. And I love that you call that optimism. Oh, I don't know. So even, I, would, I might even send realistic. So I think I need to be realistic as opposed to optimistic. Sure. So, yes, I have to get out of optimism and into realism about how long things are going to take. What is a reasonable thing to expect? And I feel like and my people that I work with might be laughing like, oh, no, she doesn't do that. But I feel like I give people around me generally enough time to do things. I don't have that same consideration myself. I will say is this going to work to get back to me in a week or 10 days? Or can you get to this right now? Is there something else important happening? I never asked myself that question. That's interesting. Weird, right? It's weird. So sometimes (laughs) when I talk to you on these, on these topics, I'm just like, what Kirsten, do you really think that? Oh yeah, apparently you do. Isn't it funny to sometimes just spill our guts like, oh wait, and then I hear it later going, gosh, why didn't you stop me before I started saying that? Well, and this is this preemptive or proactive Mm -hmm. or realistic sort of approach coupled with an ability to manage urgency in the moment really does sort of because that's real that's real and i was talking to you about this um earlier because i was saying for me my go-to is to almost always try to kind of plan my way out of Mm -hmm. these situations i don't like operating with urgency i know it i hate feeling rushed i hate feeling rushed and so so much so that i was saying to you i might have to start saying no to clients like i might start having i might have to say no to new clients Mm -hmm. 
And it's not because I'm overburdened now. You're worried about being overburdened. But I'm worried that I might be. Oh, yeah. And you were like, well, Karina, that's limiting. Remember, you had a hard time hearing that. I was like, I think you're limiting yourself. Like, I think you're not figuring out how close to the edge you can get. Right. Right. Which is where I live all the time. Right. And I'm like, (laughs) I don't want to go close to that edge. I don't want to. And so a couple of more things that you can do proactively, preemptively to sort of minimize urgency. Obviously, planning, planning, planning. Let me know if you need help planning. I love to plan. Sometimes I plan to plan. You do love to plan. Setting realistic work plans and realistic expectations for yourself and for others, Mm -hmm. right? Also, if you're a leader or if you're in charge of others, really understanding how long things take and sort of... I remember doing this. I had a designer. I think I've even talked about this on the air. I had a designer and a communications person on staff, and I used to just flood her with work. And her biggest complaint was that I didn't realize how long things Things took took for her to do. And now that I'm doing our social media and it takes me 20 flipping minutes just to like get the right font and color or whatever, I'm like, oh, I get it. So I didn't do that for her. And, you know, she tried to push back, but. I, you know, I didn't listen. Great. <laughs> Here's another one that learned from past experience about how long things take. And then that's you. Oh, I'm I mean, I, I mean, I think this all is about that optimism. Yeah. Being yeah. realistic about how long it takes things to happen, to happen. Mm-hmm. So how do people like that's sort of generally kind of managing urgency at work, but how do we manage things for ourselves personally? Are there any other things that we might suggest? Oh, so when urgency happens. Yeah. So, you know, I have to say there's this great TED talk by this woman. She's a ER physician, Dr. Daria Long. And what I like so much about what she says is if you're in crazy, crazy busy, mm-hmm. something's wrong. Mm-hmm. She said, I love the way she talks about this. She basically says, you need to triage, triage, triage. Relentlessly triage. Relentlessly triage. And she describes the ER triage process. Code red, someone's going to die. Code yellow, life-threatening but not immediate. Code green, they're going to be okay. We need to get to them, but they're going to be okay. And here's the one that's so hard, code black. Right. Which in her world means somebody has died and there's nothing she can do. Or they're going to. And she, there's nothing she That's can do. That's probably right, too. Although I would hate to hear that. But yes. and But we have code blacks in our own life, which basically are things you can't do anything about. Yeah. So I loved that analogy of saying, oh, first of all, can I do something about it? And then going through this really rigorous triage process, which brings us to that President Eisenhower Venn diagram thing you talked about yeah. of of finding the concentric circle for important and urgent. Yeah, the thing. And, and, and I hope you all heard that. I just put my hands together in a very assertive way for urgent and important. <laughs> We're clapping over here at this point. But the ER doc, what's her name again? Daria Long. Daria Long. Dr. Long. You know, she was saying, when you're relentlessly triaging, you need to recognize not only what your blacks are, mm-hmm. but what are your reds, yellows, mm-hmm. and greens? Because yep. if everything's a red, you're never going to get to them all. So prioritizing the reds, the things that are the most important and also urgent, and letting the others uh, slide, letting the others sort of 
happen later Mm -hmm. and then eliminating the blacks Mm -hmm. that to her is the way that you start to minimize the crazy in your life can i tell a personal story about this very thing of course it's very it's kind of similar to one that she shared on the ted talk when my youngest son was in second grade he i got a phone call that he had broken his arm at school and this was his second broken arm in two weeks so his first arm his left arm was in a cast already and he had broken his right arm the day after this event, I had a fundraiser that I was the keynote speaker for. And also it was hosted by the organization that I was running. And so I had a lot of duties to do that day in addition to preparing uh, a speech. So I drop everything. I rushed to get him. And what we later found out was that he needed emergency surgery that could only be that could only happen in, you know, the city 90 minutes south of here. So from the ambulance, I'm riding to Seattle, calling my office saying, you know, this is this is happening and starting to manage from the ambulance. My husband meets me in Seattle with my computer and I continue to write the speech. So at this moment, everything felt urgent. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, the everything became clear to me. Mm -hmm. The only thing that mattered mm-hmm. was that kid. Yeah. And that's what she said. That's what uh, Daria is saying as well. She's saying in in those moments, the speech, the setup, the even attending this thing, mm-hmm. all code black. None of it mattered. And being able to do that for things that are not so dramatic yes. and traumatic. Yep. Is the key mm-hmm. being able to do that with the 700 emails and the person who's calling or the angry customer or the, you know, the child who's the most vocal in the classroom. That's the key to managing this sort of in the moment. And you have to stop. You have to stop hurrying. You have to stop rushing and you have to just stop responding, 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 which is that thing where we say my brain is messing with me. That's right. So I'm going to take a deep breath. And I'm going to interrupt that process that happens in my brain. So I have developed some interruption tools. When I get to that place, when I say I'm crazy busy, and I'm not going to kid folks. I I mean, I sometimes have to be in crazy busy for a day or two days or sometimes three days before I'm like, this is nuts. Yeah. Like I've been on the phone with you and said that. It's nuts. Yeah. But you still answered the phone, which is so interesting to me because you're a sweetheart. So how do, what are some of your tricks? Okay. So when I get to that place, and by the way, I hate my work. Like you talked about hating being, being, having those urgency, the rushed. Yeah. I hate my work when I feel that way. If I don't, if I feel that urgency and that crazy busy rush, there's just nothing I enjoy about my work. Yeah. I don't like the people I work with. I don't like my clients. But what I really don't like is what's going on inside of me. And that's the lens I put on. Yeah. So when I get to that place that I just hate, I really do say, oh, this is painful. I do not want to be here. And I really stop. And the first thing I do is I try and make a list yeah. of all the things 
This is your triage. This is my triage. I make a list of all the things. Mm -hmm. And then I do a rigorous analysis of what actually has to happen now. Can I give it to somebody else? Can somebody else respond? Can I shoot off a quick email that says, I've received this. I'm not going to get back to, I'm not going to get to it for whatever. But it is that, that list making triage. And then I remind myself you know what? I've been here before. Mm -hmm. I've done this before. It's always worked out. This is going to be fine. Kirsten, you can figure this out. Yeah. So my mindset goes to, and I really have to be careful not to optimism. Yeah. I think it goes from scarcity. This is happening Mm -hmm. to me. I don't like Mm -hmm. it. This is miserable. Mm -hmm. I'm not making the best choices Mm -hmm. to an abundance mindset of I'm in control. I have options. Yes. I can uh, choose this. I am choosing this and kind of moving down that list of the things that are identified by you rather than these external forces. And I've had enough people like do this to me personally, like challenge my assumptions on things. Do you really, do you have to, is that true that I've now gotten to a place where I can do that a little bit better for myself? Like, do you really have to respond right now? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that the one of the keys to what you just said was that there gets to be a point now mm-hmm. where you know it's not optimum mm-hmm. and you stop it. Mm-hmm. The the learning might be to figure out how to get to that how to you know, you said it takes three days or a couple of days. It just depends on, you know, for me it just depends on all sorts of things, but I can like my point is I can let it go for a while. Yeah. Well, because it's not only work, it's work and volunteer and friends and, and kids like, and, and right, yeah. beloveds and yes, all of that. But, you know, the thing about it is, and I can already feel this emotional part of me, it's like it is violence to yourself. It's abusive to yourself. Yes. And like I want to I want to treat myself with compassion and with love. And if I keep putting myself in that situation, it's I'm just doing violence to myself. Right. And there's like a wonderful I think it's Merton who has a wonderful poem about that. But like, I just think we need to move away from that violence to ourselves and how it spills out to others into something that is um more sane, yeah. More loving, kind, more co- kind, compassionate, inclusive. Because when I'm in Kirsten's, it's crazy busy. There's just not a second of inclusivity in my life. And why do you? And this is the thing that is so so interesting and intriguing to me: is why do you or we or mm-hmm. whomever? I told you, my brain. Why do she's we? She's really messing with yeah, me sometimes. Why do we do this? Allow this for ourselves, <laughs> but we wouldn't do that to others. You know that coffee? There's a coffee mug I almost bought for Kirsten that was like, "My boss is an asshole." <laughs> I wanted to give it for to her so bad because she's her own boss. <laughs> she is sometimes, but this is exactly mm-hmm. it. And yeah. so, but the the way out, the path out of this urgency mm-hmm. hamster wheel is controlling for an in advance planning automating you can recognizing this is gonna and then also arresting those emotions mm-hmm. that are driving the impulsiveness her, yes 
and getting granular. Mm-hmm. I love that word. I love that word too. Yeah, okay. And the um about what's in front of you. Yes, relentlessly triaging importance, urgency, what is really happening, what really has to be done and stopping yourself from just being reactive to going into like responsive. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean it seems so simple. And yet is so counter to the culture that we've created. The culture, absolutely. There's so many rewards for being responsive. And busy, which I really... Busy, important. I want to normalize kind of busy. I would like to normalize... Oh my gosh. uh, Bored. I'm going to try to normalize bored every once in a while. You know what I mean? I have this. That's so fascinating. You say that I have said many times, oh, my gosh, I would just love to be bored. I am welcoming boredom. But, you know, it's interesting. You know, I'm taking my little personal retreat. Yeah. And I will not take four days as opposed to two or three because I'm worried about being bored. Really? I know. Right. Scary. What's the worst that can happen if you're bored? You know, I don't really know that. I'll let you know. I will tell you. I come back. From it's my not retreat? that bad. <laughs> it is not that bad. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just it. Right. So we're told by culture. We're told by society. We're told by the patriarchy. We tell ourselves other women tell us that. And, the, you know, that this is the this is the state. This is the this is the preferred state mm-hmm. is preferred state. Is this is how people who are successful churning and out. doing meaningful work. And yeah. Right. And then our brains are predisposed to sort of jump mm-hmm. on the bandwagon and respond. But we cannot sustain this. Mm-hmm. Yes. Urgent is great. Get out of the building. It's burning. Great. I'm, you know jumping into action or these three things today became urgent and I addressed them immediately. That's fine. The problem is constant state mm-hmm. of urgency. Mm-hmm. And you are the only one who can change that for yourself. And I just really want to go back to that. And it really is my, it is my personal story, but I think there's a lot of truth in it for certainly for other people that I talk to and know and love and care about, there is a really abusive quality to continuing to put yourself in that situation, allow yourself to be in that situation. And we can, with some really good awareness and thoughtfulness, move away from that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is that is the key. And I just keep thinking about the ER doc. She's ready for what comes in the door. Yes. She's not freaked out. She's not crazy busy. She is ready for what comes in the door. And so that's now my new analogy on the second time I've seen it. Kind of my new thing I'm going to keep saying to myself is I'm ready for everything that comes in the door. Because you've planned for Mm -hmm. it. You've allowed space for it. Mm -hmm. You have the ability to recognize what is important and not just urgent. And I got plans for the stuff I triage. Yes, exactly. And you identify, and I'm wondering if this is also a key, identify that being kind to yourself and maybe even not slammed all the time is a good thing. Yes. It does. It means it means you're doing well. It so means you're this managing. is really about challenging assumptions yep. and checking in with yourself and, you know, kind of creating those things that allow you to be successful and to create, oh my gosh, use meaning and joy. There we go. There we go. And we're not going to say, giddy up, go down there, get that stuff really fast. No, we're going to say, when you get around to it, when you get around to it, normalize boredom. Just normalize I'm gonna boredom. I'm going to try it. Hashtag. Okay. Uh, good. That felt good. That felt good to me. How about you? 
you know what? This has been a great conversation and a great topic because I really do think that this issue of this urgency that we live is really key to figuring out how we do get ease, meaning, and joy. Absolutely. Not tongue in cheek, but for real. It is. I know. Absolutely. Um, As always, find us wherever you get your podcasts and on social media and let us know. How's it going? How's it going? How's this working for for you? Thanks for listening, folks. Thanks for working, friends. Bye. Bye. Krina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Krina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork at gmail.com. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.